Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you guys to a new friend of mine who is like my brother from an Australian mother. I met this guy. He reached out. We started chatting, and I was like, man, finally, another human that geeks out over agency process as much as I do, if not more, probably more. Uh, So I'm super excited to introduce you guys to a man that understands the inner workings of service businesses uh, better than anyone I've met and spends all of his time today helping service businesses optimize their processes, their tools, um, and everything that they do on the delivery side of their business to make sure that they're making as much money as they can and scaling as fast as they can. So it's my extreme pleasure today to welcome you to the show, Scott. Mate, what an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I uh, thank you for very much for inviting me on the cast. This is going to be a lot of fun. And as you say, I'm, a, I'm as big a geek on this as you are, mate. So uh, brother from another mother, no doubt. Well, I'm super excited that you're here and uh, I know you're going to bring a ton of value for our guest today. But um, before we get into too much of that, I'd love to give you an opportunity to give everyone a little bit more context on what it is that you do. Yeah, sure. Well, look, Scale My Empire, mate, we're here to help agencies and professional services systemize their business for scale. So we really... You can, you know, systemization of a business applies to anyone uh, and anyone's ability to grow, but we've really narrowed our focus down to helping uh, digital marketing agencies, engineers and management consultants, team-based businesses that have got to navigate the chaos and grow and uh, build a strong team and strong culture uh, in order to scale up and become uh, an amazing game-changing business. So, uh, yeah, we're really helping those, those agencies that are, you know, in that transition phase, Marcel, where you've got like 15, 20 people, the founders kind of trying to get off the tools. Maybe they're trying to put an operations manager in or they've got that in place and things are just starting to, you get that multiplier effect, right? Mm. And you're moving really, really quickly. You're starting to hire every couple of months instead of every couple of years, um, you're starting to find that uh, you know a, a project value is starting to increase, um, while the team's productivity might be starting to decrease. Visibility over what's going on is starting to plateau, and you're wondering exactly what each team member is doing, and you're really missing the key metrics and numbers that you need to really monitor performance. That's the people we're looking to help take them to the next level by systemization. It's so funny that who you serve and how you describe them is exactly the same as who we serve and how we describe them. Um, I think it's a beautiful thing. It's, 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 that, it's a hard point, Marcel. It's like that. It is. You know, everything's been startup focused, fast, dynamic. We've had the team of superstars because you, know, you can hire 10, 15 people and have them all be awesome, mm-hmm. right? And then you kind of get, to this point where it's like you've got this 
it's like a snowball going down a hill and you're starting to get this momentum that is just seeing you grow really quickly You're in this scalable phase, but without the right foundation, it'd be like trying to build a house without plans mm. and just laying the bricks without a foundation. Totally. Crumble down. Sometimes I describe it as trying to push a bag of milk up a hill because we have bagged milk here in Canada. That's a thing. It's very weird. Wow. But we have it. <laughs> it is. But just imagine How do you even put that in the fridge. Um, actually, there's a whole <laughs> side note, total sidebar. There is a funny BuzzFeed video where Americans tr- try to under like they try to figure out what to do with the bag of milk, like how it's supposed to be served. But there's like this little container that you put in, and you just cut the corner off of the bag, and then it pours oh. out very nicely. It's actually practical, um, but just a strange thing we I'll do. Take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. I milk. suppose uh, motorcycle. <laughs> Perhaps more sustainable. Uh, so I think that's enough about bagged milk. Let's get back to the interesting, mm. which is, you know, just like your, your experience. So I know you got into this space because you had a lot of background in project management. You, you were a practitioner kind of in the weeds of this thing, seeing and experiencing the problems firsthand. What was that moment when you kind of realized there was an opportunity to start helping other businesses solve these problems? Well, uh, after I solved it for myself and, and that, you know, to take a step back before that, that realization, I think we had, uh, had a team of 18 people. Uh, we were doing a combination of different products and services, did a bit of digital ma- uh, marketing, some product development, a whole bunch of different things. And, uh, my business partner asked me, uh, what's our average margin on each of these projects? And it was like crickets. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't really know. Um, and this is years ago. And yeah, uh, yeah what's how much is each team member, uh, member actually earning you? And are they uh, are they actually being utilised? How, how much time do you think they have free each day? More crickets. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and I should know. And yeah, it, it really triggered off this process of uh, really diving into what I call project controls and uh, and. Uh, resource planning to truly understand the driver behind productivity, the drivers behind uh, actual genuine product uh, uh, project margin and, and net margin in a business. And so over the course of the next two years, we completely pivoted the business uh, and changed for a whole host of reasons um, and came to this realization that the actual asset that we had in the business was not the particular services and things that we're doing. It was the system that we created. It was the model for a uh, an agency style business. The systems that can take it from small to medium, um, and we realised that's actually what we should be, um, you know, giving back to the world and helping uh, helping other agencies to solve the same problems that uh, we did ourselves. And I was able to combine all of my project management experience from corporate all of my small business experience from this exercise with the genuine learnings and uh, things that we came up with to create a a framework of people, process and technology that are required uh, to systemize a business. Very, very cool. It's funny because like I listen to you talk and just describe 
you know, the situation and how you kind of solve the problem. And it's just like, man, I totally resonate with this. And I know that anyone that's listening right now that is in that stage that you talk about, you know, at 15 to 20, um, or it's kind of approaching it even before that they, they're starting to see the warning signs. They're mm-hmm. probably feeling like, man, these, this guy really gets it. So uh, getting into just like the really, uh, the meaty stuff, you talk to a lot of service business owners, owners, professional services. Um, what are some of those common symptoms that they come to you with those common problems that they're experiencing, um, when they come to you, uh, and, and are looking for help? Look, it's, it's usually one of three things. Uh, and again, you know, they're hitting that range where they're starting to sort of grow and, if they're at smaller end, so they're sort of, you know, going up to 10 people, usually it's the main thing is that the founder you know, wants to work in a more strategic level but needs his team to provide the same customer experience that he or she was already doing. So the sort of first challenge they face is I need some processes or something in place to make my team sing to the same book, mm. do what I did. And that's, you know, a lot to do with processing, productization and templating out what you do. So that's usually the first challenge is I want to create a, I want to create a great customer experience and I want my team to do it like I did. The second uh, typically comes down to sort of key numbers around margin and utilization. So once you've grown to that kind of size, you, you, you're bringing in five, six mil you know, to 10 million revenue, but you don't really have that much cash in the tin, as we like to say here in Australia, at the end of the month. And you're wondering, hang on, I've got this cracking big team now. I've got all this revenue coming in. Where's my money going? <laughs> and that's, you know, that's the, often the next question that gets asked because uh, there's this kind of weird, weird cross-section of growth in revenue, but higher growth in cost that happens and it just smashes net margin. So the next, you know, the second sort of part is what, what are my numbers? What's my margin? How are my team, what's my team's productivity? Um, how is that contributing to overall business margin? That's the second question we get asked. The third is when you sort of gotten through that piece and now you're up to maybe 50 people or getting close to that realm and you're starting to hire people monthly. Like recruitment is now a job, mm. right? Where it used to be, you know, we didn't worry too much about position descriptions or, or whatever. Now we need to know who we need to hire and when. And it's like a black hole. Right? There's 50 people working here. I think they need, we need another guy. I don't really know. My team are telling me we're a bit over, overcooked. Other people seem a little uh, underutilized resource planning or capacity planning, knowing based on the demand that my business is generating, who I need to hire, when I need to hire them and what skills they've got to have. That's the third piece that people come to us for. Um, and that's you know, a factor of capacity and resource planning. Man, I don't even know what to say. Cause it's sorry. Just, did I, no, it's bang on. Let's like, just, let's turn the podcast off. We've uh, answered all questions and everyone knows now that's what you've got to solve. Um, but it's, no, just, it's so true. Everything you're saying is it's, it's the stuff that I hear every day as well. It's the problems that I see over and over again. It's crazy how they're really the same, like at various stages for almost every service business as they run into the same kinds of challenges. And what's yeah. even crazier, and I'm sure you've seen this time and time again, is the, the results that they get from 
from just implementing a system and paying attention to these things and understanding how they work. It's insane how much more money they can make when they uh, figure this stuff out. I mean, well, yeah, you, you've seen the numbers, Marcel, and you, you'll know that you know a ten percent increase in something like utilization, which for anyone who's listening is basically how much of their week is spent on billable work versus coffees, um, non billable work. Uh, you know, a small increase, ten percent, which is what in a week. Four hours yep. um, for like a six million dollar business. I think I worked it out. It's it's nearly like another eight hundred grand mm-hmm. in net margin per year. Yeah, I mean you, your figures here are staggering. Little turning, you know, a turn a two degree turn of the dial here can completely revolutionise uh, the net margin that's produced at the end of the month if you understand the numbers. Totally. No, I mean, it, it's, I use the example that I use when I speak on stage about this is a $5 million agency and I do a 5% increase in utilization. And you're right, it's about 400 grand. And assuming that the business is doing about a 10% margin on 5 million a year, that's like, you're almost doubling your profitability right there. Yeah. You can, if you can get your average bill rates up just a little bit, being consistent on scope, you know, let's say you increase that by 5%, there's another almost 300 grand. You've almost doubled, yeah. more than doubled your profit with two small tweaks, like you said. And the thing that I don't think a lot of people realize is if you're building the business as an asset to sell, now the conversation about valuation is completely different. You've gone from being maybe worth 1x EBITDA to now that conversation is maybe a three, five. You could even, depending on what your client dilution is like, maybe a 6x. Like We're talking an exponential increase in the valuation of the business as a result of these simple tweaks in operation. Spot on. When you're talking about exit, not only are you increasing profit, which is going to, you know, if you're talking about a multiple of profit, it's going to substantially increase valuation, but a systemized business, one that doesn't actually rely on the owner or any given individual um, that operates like a beautiful machine is a more saleable business and can get a higher multiplier. It is just as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. So for those of you that are listening, that's what's at stake here. Uh, this stuff often gets overlooked because you're in the weeds and you know this and that, but this, this is what's really at stake here if you want to maximize uh, the profitability of your business. So with that, let's talk about the solutions. What are some of the things that you, know, you typically work with to get these things solved for these businesses? Well, um, when you talk about systemizing your business, we've actually crafted a framework. We call it uh, the 3 p.m. framework, which is people, process, platforms, and measurements. Um, you know, are, you right, are the right people in the right roles? Do we have the right processes in place to deliver that awesome customer experience consistently and profitably? And do we have the right technology platforms that underpin the people in the process to deliver it and report on it, i.e. the measurements? Um, so depending on where you are in business, whether you're that stage one, stage two, or stage three that we talked about before, we would actually do a bit of an audit around your people processes and technology, um, you know, to suit your particular stage, recommend based on, uh, our model and our experience, what you need to get to the next phase and then effectively be your guru, your guide, your project manager to actually get you there. Um, whether that's mapping new processes out, um, helping the team understand the new way of business, putting in the right 
project management systems or CRM systems or resource planning systems uh, that you need uh, or just getting the right reporting dashboard for a management level business you know, or the management level of the business to make smarter decisions. We're sort of looking across that whole whole range and that that whole framework. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. 100%. Um, this is a great time to do a shameless plug of Parakeeto as a reporting dashboard for the right level yeah. of person. So with that, I want to kind of dig into each of those things that you mentioned. So the first is about having the right people in the right places. You know, what are some of the uh, common mistakes that you see people making when they're structuring their teams that, that often need to be rectified? Well, uh, I think there's sort of two sides to it. Different sizes of business need different organizational charts. And, you know, your chart when it first starts off in one and you're doing everything. And then you've got to work out, you know, what do you systemize first and split out in that org chart. And what I think people fall down on is that they think of their org chart in terms of people instead of in terms of roles that are required. So we help them uh, fix that problem first. The second thing that I see uh, people fall down on is that uh, they might be hiring the right people but putting them in the wrong roles mm. and not understanding um, and, and doing the proper behavioral analysis, the proper personality analysis to understand what somebody's actually good at before placing them in a role is important because you might have an absolute superstar, highly detailed person who uh, absolutely works like a demon, produces awesome work, but you've put them in a sales role where they you know, think too uh, too much in the weeds, they're not high level enough, perhaps they're not sort of people-oriented enough, um, and there's going to be a conflict there, and you're going to end up having this great person who just can't deliver. So I think that's the first piece, and, and that's a combination of some services and some analysis on your team, some org structure, but also the right technology to work out what you need to uh, to hire the right skills. Does that answer your question? Totally does. Excellent. So to recap, you know, it's about understanding the roles before trying to look for the people and then making sure that when we're putting people in roles that that's actually a, a fundamentally a good fit and that they're able to be their best in those roles. So great takeaways there. Um, Next up, you talked about processes. So what are the common mistakes that um, we're seeing agencies and, and service businesses make when they're trying to create process in their business? What, what holds them back a lot of the time? Uh, not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Do you have any processes documented? Uh, yeah. No, no, we, don't. we have nothing. Um, or they've got in a couple of dot points that's sitting on the bottom of someone's folder. So I think the, the first problem is that they're often not done. And the reason they're not done is because uh, particularly in the marketing agency world, they're creative people and they want to get out there and deliver awesome customer solutions and they're also hell busy, right? So yeah. it's one of those things that just ends up uh, constantly being delayed. It's not something they like to do, uh, but getting the right expert to come in and, and just bang them out uh, solves that in you know, literally a couple of weeks or a couple of sessions. So I think not doing it's number one. Uh, the second is not actually sharing them. Often these things get drawn up, procedures get written, and then they sit at the bottom of a dusty drawer somewhere, physical or digital, but they never actually get uh, exposure with the team. They never get talked about. They never. They might be shown in training briefly, but they're not painted up on a wall somewhere for people to follow. 
And then the third piece is those processes are often not baked into the software that drives what they should be doing. Ultimately, if their tool, their platform is tasking people to do things at the right time, um, has checklists set up and has reports, which actually, you know, determine if people are following these things, um, it should be a no-brainer. So they're the three sort of number one things that, you know, the three things that we've run into most commonly with agencies. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, totally. And I've seen this a, a time and time again as well. I know we, we've done some work, um, you know, in, in some of the consulting I've done in the past as well around building um, process. One of the things that I often see people run into as well that I'd love to chat about is, um, you know, sometimes I get pushback on process about, you know, it's going to be slower to do it this way. And because people are so busy, like they'll be like, oh, yeah, I see the value in this process. But then when it comes down to crunch time, they throw it out the window and it doesn't get followed often enough for it to actually have the intended outcome, which is to make things more consistent and make sure, you know, a lot of times even certain reporting and certain intelligence is, you know, we need to follow the process in order for that information to be accurate. Um, how in your experience have you dealt with that, that kind of thing and helped alleviate it? Well, it's, it's partly, uh, again, right personalities in the right roles and some people just aren't process oriented people. And you've got to come up with other ways of uh, uh, ensuring that they're doing that, monitoring them. It's a performance management exercise. Um, and really, when you talk about performance management as a system in your business, um, if you've outlined how you want your team to deliver in terms of processes and they're going off and doing their own thing, you need to be tracking that in your performance management system and I've got a system for doing performance management, right? I keep a diary where literally if something is outside of process, uh, process violation, I mark it. I mark my good criticisms and my, and my um, active criticisms in a diary that is shared with both parties as we go through the quarter. And then at the end of the quarter, we open up the diary. We both have seen and agreed to all of the issues that have been outstanding and we agree on how we're going to solve those. And then in the next uh, performance management system, we see if there's any more process violations and if they're the same ones, we say, well, what would you expect me to do? And they're typically going to say, well, you probably should fire me because I'm not not doing what you've asked, right? Um, It's pretty straightforward. Uh, So you've just got to keep track of these things. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Awesome answer. So the so we've got the first one is people getting the right roles and then getting the right people in those roles and making sure it's a fit. Second one is around process um, and really making sure that a you're documenting process that uh, you're actually sharing it and implementing it with the team and making sure that you've got systems in place for them to take action on the correct process in their workflow in the tools that they're using. 
So let's talk about that piece, which is tools. I'm not afraid to talk about tools on here, even though we are a tool. Um, people are going to talk about them. So we might as well talk about them here. And everybody listening loves to talk about tools. So let's talk about them. Um, obviously, the landscape is vast. It is vast and often confusing. You've got the best of breed tools that often I'm sure you see a lot of agencies, they've got this stack of tools that is kind of hobbled together. But um, all of these tools tend to be really good at the one thing that they're, they're doing makes it challenging, though, oftentimes to get that data out of them. Then you've got a whole other subsection of you know, all in one tools that kind of manage the agency or the, the business from one end to the other. And then you have this whole gray area in the middle of like tools that aren't best of breed, but they're also not all in ones. They just overlap on a bunch of weird features and position themselves strangely in the market. How does one figure out what the right stack is for them? Well, you've got about 20,000 platforms on the market for back end <laughs> operational if you're an agency to choose from. So, you know, I suppose if you start at number one and trial them <laughs> one by one, you'll be uh, in your 80s or something before you've finished. So it's a total minefield is the short answer, Marcel. And um, without, you know, it's a bit like uh, going to choose anything in life. I mean, you engage an expert to help you um, make the decision of someone who's already done the analysis on all the platforms out there and determine what works, what doesn't. Um, what works well with something else and what's going to work well for you. Um, and an expert in, in all of the platforms out there can cut the amount of time it takes to trial things, work out how they integrate together, determine if they're going to give you the reports, understand if the team's even going to use it. Someone can cut all of that pain out from literally 12 months or longer to literally a couple of conversations. Um, and I think that's worth the investment because uh, it is, you know, as you know, it is a minefield. And unless your head is in that space every day, you're just not qualified to uh, make a decision. Does that make sense? Totally agree. And, you know, it's, it's insane how often I get on calls with agencies, you know, through the customer development that we do or when they reach out to me and I'm asking them about, you know, what tools they're using and, and almost always they're, They've got these things in place, but hey, we're, you know, we're, tr but we're not sure about this one and we're looking at different ones. And when I ask about like, what's that process been like? They don't necessarily realize until I press them on it, the cost that goes into having the operations person spend four hours a week on demos for eight months, having the team have to trial, you know, seven different softwares and the loss of productivity there. It's an expensive proposition. And to your point, if you can bring somebody in that already has a good understanding of the landscape and can just alleviate that whole process and get you kind of straight to the good stuff, man, it's such a, such a lifesaver. It's a no-brainer, right? I mean, I think we worked it out that in order to make a decision on, say, a project management platform, uh, an agency of about 20 people would need to spend roughly 50 hours uh, trialing the different solutions that are out there, assuming that they were able to immediately shortlist to five or six tools. Um, 50 hours of an operation manager's time, of an owner's time and of the team's time um, to look at and try things. And then they'd be making a, an, a decision based on their own biases, what they've heard from other people, without necessarily a, an actual uh, scientific process of understanding what their business needs, how this thing needs to integrate with other products and what reports they have to get out of it. So 
after that 50 hours, they may not have even made the right decision. Um, we cut it down to between four to six. Um, so 10%, less than 10%. That is uh, an awesome, awesome, awesome opportunity, I think, for the agencies that are listening that are all probably struggling with tools. I don't think I've ever met an agency that um, was like, yeah, we've got to figure it out. We're super happy with all the tools that we have and we don't want to change anything. I don't think I've ever had that conversation before. <laughs> so no agency owner ever. Yeah, yeah like, like it, there's always something that's in flux, which makes sense though, because I think because there's so many solutions, there's one for where you are at every stage in your business. And when you have 10 employees, yeah, we're growing. your needs are yeah. different than when you have 20, than when you have 50, than when you have a thousand. Um, you know, so it creates an opportunity for people like me to come in and try and solve some of those problems and people like you to come in and, and help them along that journey several times probably as they grow and, and things change. So one last thing on the tools is once you've got the stack figured out, what are some of the best practices um, for actually getting that adopted and integrated into the business? Because I know that can be a challenge for a lot of people and often that can turn into a bit of a, a shit show and, and could be quite expensive for them as well. Yeah, I think um, the number of times people have come to me and said, look, we've got this platform, it doesn't do what we want, it doesn't work properly, no one's using it. And you look at the product and it's like, that's a good product that should be doing exactly what it's meant to do. And it's actually been a function of uh, poor adoption within the business, um, poor change management. And typically how these things roll is, you know, someone in the team, an ops manager or someone picks a tool, it's all become too hard that spent their 50 hours and they're just like, effort, I'm just going to go with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they set it up. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, w what's happened is uh, th there's usually three things that are not correct with it or not right with it. So it's not being used. And the first is that no one got adequate training or they only got training when it first got installed and there was never any follow-ups. So people only retained about 10% of what they learned in any given training session. So if you're going to actually train someone in how to use a tech platform, you've got to have several uh, workshops together to give people the training and make sure they're well supported. So that doesn't happen. And then anyone new that comes in just has to kind of learn from whoever's there because there's no training. Um, so training is the, the, usually the first one. And um, then the, they find the product is probably not integrated uh, into anything or the stand out of the box integrations are a bit crap which is usually the case. Most integrations are a marketing ploy. You know, they say, oh, we integrate with this, or we integrate with that, and they put in the bare minimum effort just to make sure there's a connection there and leave it at that. So it looks great on a website, but in reality, it doesn't work, you know, exactly how the business works. So these things end up living in isolation. And that means people have to copy and paste information in, and there's all this extra manual effort, and then it becomes too hard, and it becomes a burden on their day so they don't use it. Um, and the third is uh, often it's not producing a report or any kind of useful metrics that the owner or the management team can use to actually determine you know, the performance of whatever it is that that tool is meant to do. And ultimately, if the founder or management team are not getting the results they want out of it, they aren't pushing the team to use it. And it's quite often all three of these things in line, you know, no one's been trained in it. So the data is rubbish. It's not integrated into everything. So there's heaps of um, poor data collection or, or missed 
manual uh, entry. The results at the top are, are crap, so the management team don't even bother looking at it and they revert to their spreadsheets. The whole tool ends up sitting there as an island, a desert island not being used, and it was a whole waste of my 50 hours of additional investment. Um, it sounds like Armageddon. It's, <laughs> I'm probably sure that that's pretty common for a lot of people. I've heard that story time and time again. And, you know, on top of all that, because that tool isn't being fully adopted, they're still paying for all the other tools they still used before. Half the people are using those. Half the data is in one tool. Half the data is in the other. It is a real mess. And I've heard of people, I spoke to an agency owner the other day, a good friend of mine. He was transitioning from best of breed tools into an all-in-one. He was about 50 employees, pretty big company. And he said, we've been at it for 12 months and we're still not really there yet. 12 yeah. months. I, yeah. I'm like, wow. Can you imagine the impact to the growth of your business, mm-hmm. knowing that you're doing it, you're flying blind, the team aren't actually getting any of the efficiency you know, or, or productivity enhancements from that tool, not to mention the sheer amount of time that's probably been thrown at this thing just to get it up and running billable time that could have been spent making money, you know, or building new products or something. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, and if you're not getting the numbers at the end, yeah, and that's why, you know, products like Parakeeto, I think are just the, the crowning, uh, the, the capstones, if you like, on any of these platforms, because um, they're the things that are telling the management team, is this thing working? And that's the first sign that they can start to make change. Mm, totally. So, I mean, that's a great place to kind of uh, dig into for our final, uh, I guess, point is talking about the metrics. Um, I love talking about metrics. So you mentioned that there are some key things that uh, agency owners need to be looking at on a regular basis that, that are influencing a lot of the decision making that they have to make on a day-to-day basis and a lot of the you know staffing decisions, strategic decisions about products and pricing and clients and in the different services that they offer. Um, what are those metrics in, in your experience and, and, you know, how do you typically work with founders to make sure they understand how to utilize those metrics to drive the business? Look, there, I mean, there are many, many metrics that any agency should be looking at. I think of, you know, the top five most critical that if you start there, you're already 50% of the way through. And then there's a whole bunch of supplementary ones, which uh, particularly when you realize that there are problems you can dig into to get the, uh, the answers. So I'll stick to those sort of top five main ones first. Um, the most immediate is job margin or project margin. So uh, if you don't know how much your projects or a portfolio of projects are making, um, you need to solve that now because you are a project-based business. Whether you call it a project or a retainer, a service, whatever, you have to make money on those services. And if you're not uh, getting live, current, up-to-the-minute information on the, pro- uh, on the profitability of that work, you need to solve that problem first. Uh, that's the number one metric you need to, uh, need to nail before you do anything. Um, would you agree? Absolutely. hundred percent. The second most important, I think, particularly when that team starts to get larger, uh, is what we call utilization. Uh, fancy term for, you know, uh, are my people spending too much time on the bench 
or enough time doing billable work. And ultimately, it's just a function of how much time they have and how much of that time is spent as a ratio on billable work versus non-billable work. Uh, oh, but I'm a fixed fee organization and billable work doesn't really apply. Yes, it does. Because <laughs> oh once you get over budget, it becomes non-billable. I so, hear that all the time. It's like there's an opportunity cost to having your team work a thousand hours on a project that was supposed to take a hundred. Exactly <laughs> right. Uh, and they could be doing something else. Yeah. Um, so billable utilization is your second highest priority. Um, then, and, and that's you know, the, the top two for managing the team. There are heaps more things like average billable rate, um, absorption rate, um, geez, the, the list goes on. And these are all things that you want to look at once you've got those two in place. And I know Parakeeto uh, provides uh, a whole swag of uh, stats outside of that, which all drive those figures as well. Um, but now in terms of you know, systemizing to scale, the next most important thing you want to look at is uh, the demand being generated from sales, right? A lot of people will look at uh, revenue generation from sales or number of sales. That stuff's great. But the third most important metric for you to write down if you're listening to this podcast, sales conversion rate. If your conversion rate is high, beyond 50%, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can turn the tap on of marketing and lead gen and know that you're going to generate business. If your sales conversion rate is low, doesn't matter what marketing campaigns um, or sales tactics you bring into the business, you're not going to generate money. So get your sales conversion rate. It's like a health check of how good your sales team can convert uh, interest into the actual demand. Does that make sense? Totally. You're, you're, you're four. So you know, I'm kind of going from, I'm in the middle. Now I've gone front. Now I'm going to go to the end. The fourth metric, customer satisfaction. And that is... It's not just inherently most people go, well, obviously we want to know if our customers are happy. What this metric is really critical for is that the majority of your business is probably coming from return customers. 80% of my revenue comes from return customers, people I've already done business for. They are the lowest cost of sale, the fastest turnaround sale, and the highest margin. So making sure you're measuring whether your customers are satisfied <laughs> with what you're doing is going to determine how well you get return business, the best business. So uh, metric number four, and to round all of this out, the people that are actually delivering this work, in a lot of sense, you know, if you think of your IP and your people are together, your product, so team engagement, how happy they are, how engaged they are in your business is the next and final most important metric for you to be monitoring in your business. Because if your people aren't happy, your people aren't productive. If your people aren't happy, they're leaving and recruitment and onboarding is expensive. If your people aren't happy, they're probably not doing a great job for your customers or they're not happy on the phone or their poaching customers, satisfaction is going to go down. 
Um, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Um, they're my top five among among many others. I, lo- I love it. It's it's very consistent with um, you know the the kinds of things that that we've been hearing. We've been trying to solve as well for agencies. And what I love about all this, and I, I think this is what um, a lot of people don't realize, is like when you can master a couple of these fundamental metrics, like when you can start to understand what your margin is on projects, when you can start to understand on average, how much money every hour your team works make, when you can understand, you know, your utilization and how that changes over time, when you can start to understand the pipeline, all of these things. Now, when you have consistent data, you can start to predict things. You can start to look at your sales pipeline and say, cool, this is how much work we have in the pipeline. This is how much we can expect to close. This is how long we know it takes generally for us to close these sales. If we know that like this is the average scope of a project, this is who has to work on it. Now you can look at your team and say, do we need to hire? Are we going to be okay to deliver this work? Like all of these things that typically agencies, and I know when they come to you and they come to me, it's always like, it's a black hole. They're very reactive. Now all of a sudden, when you have that data, you can flip the switch and you don't have to be reactive anymore because you actually have some visibility. It's not perfect, but it's a pretty good indication. It's a hell of a lot better than having no idea that you needed to hire a designer last week because you just closed that big client and now you don't have anyone to design for it. Um, and, and all of these things have a trickle effect. You know, you hire people last minute, they don't get trained properly. You throw them in the weeds. Three months later, they quit. That was costly. The work wasn't great. Client satisfaction goes down. It's hurtful for the team and the culture. Like the margin wasn't as good. All of these things are tied together. So when when you can master these metrics to your point and get a system in place that keeps you up to date, how empowering that is for the owners um, to actually start making better decisions and planning for the future, it's a complete game changer. When you turn your business into a series of decisions, business starts to become easier and you can extract that emotional pain of, you know, things aren't going well, why, you know, what's going on, who's stuffing up in the team, et cetera. When you can extract yourself beyond that and you've just got the numbers to start guiding your decision-making, um, business becomes easier. It becomes a series of levers and dials that you can adjust and rotate and, um, you know, fix up to improve profit at the end or improve team engagement or, or whatever it is, um, your business can become a bit of a machine. Uh, and I think, um, I think a lot of people go into business wanting to work at that strategy layer, but just having this massive journey before they can get there. Um, yeah, my job is to make that journey uh, fast and to make it uh, a lot shorter than what it would already be. Well, for those of you that are listening, um, I hope, you understand after listening to this that I'm sure a lot of the problems that we talked about here today that you might be experiencing, you're not alone. Other businesses have had these problems. Other businesses have solved these problems. And there are people out there like Scott that can help you. And you don't have to go about it alone and try to figure it out all by yourself. Um, So for those of you that are listening, Scott's about to share how you can get in touch with him, follow Scale My Empire, and follow a lot of the awesome content that you produce as well. I love the content that you produce. It's very tactical. It's very detailed. It's not high level fluffy stuff. So uh, for those of you that are listening, definitely go and follow Scott and all the great content that he's publishing as well. So where can they find you? Well, they can find me first of all uh, on LinkedIn. So, uh, you know, I think um, a lot of people want to learn more about what we do and 
get access to some of those articles uh, that you just mentioned and simply find me on linkedin.com. Uh, it's just literally, uh, let me just bring this up here, uh, linkedin.com slash in slash Scott Gallatly. Um, and I'm sure you can put that as a, um, a link in the show notes somewhere. Yes, um, sir. They'll be there. Connect, connect with me, uh, shoot me a message and uh, get in touch. And if you're not on LinkedIn, I could put forward some crazy LinkedIn uh, lead magnet, which will send you through a hoop of five emails before you're allowed to contact me. So you pre-qualify uh, or you could just email me at go at scalemyempire.com go at scalemyempire.com. So guys, if you're listening, I will make sure that all this is in the show notes. So if you're on your phone, just scroll down. There'll be links to all this stuff down there. And uh, you'll be able to get in touch with Scott if there's something that you heard here today that you want to talk to him about, if there's something in your business that you think he can help you with, or if you just want to follow him for all of the uh, awesome, awesome thought leadership that he has around this space. Um, so with that, Scott, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show for delivering so much value. I can't wait to keep learning from you and to just keep having your knowledge and experience influence what we're doing on our product. Um, you know, it's just a really exciting times and uh, couldn't be happier to have had you on the show. Thanks so much for being here. Love your work, mate. Love uh, where Perkito is going and uh, everything you guys are doing as well. So uh, yeah, look forward to seeing uh, where you guys end up and uh, and how it all pans out. So uh, let's let's stay in touch. Excellent, Scott. And with that, I'm going to close this off by saying cheers, mate. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. All good. <laughs> all right. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.